श्री अद्वैत गदाधार श्री श्री राधा कृष्ण गोपीनाथ श्याम राधा श्री वृंदावन धाम की जय श्री मथुरा धाम की जय श्री जगन्नाथ पुरी धाम की जय श्री मायापुर नवंदी धाम की जय गंगा माई की जय जमुना माई की जय भक्ति देवी की जय तुलसी महारानी की जय हरिनाम संकीर्तन की जय शमेत भक्त वृंद की जय गौर प्रेमानंदे हरे ऑल ग्लोरीज टू दैसम ऑल ग्लोरीज टू दैसम ऑल ग्लोरीज टू दैसम ऑल ग्लोरीज टू श्री गुरु एंड श्री गौर ऑल ग्लोरीज नमो विष्णु पदाय कृष्ण पृष्ठाय वर्तवे श्रीमते भक्तिवेदांत स्वामी नमस्ते शरस्वती देवे नारायण नमस्कृत नरंचम देवी सरस्वती व्यास तथो जय मुदीर नष्ट प्रायशु अभद्रेशु भागवत सेवया भगवती उत्तम श्लोके हरे कृष्णा सो वंस अगेन वेलकम टू ऑल ऑफ यू टू दिस रिट्रीट इन न्यू वृंदाव इन गीता नगरी वी हैड इंडोक्ट्रिनेटिंग सेशन लास्ट नाइट but i can see that many of you have come late so thank you all very much for coming and so and i'm sure you are going to very much enjoy this retreat and especially this time we have his grace rabindra sarup prabhu and our grace mother rukmini also to enlighten us and so take advantage of the devotee association especially senior devotee association is very very important and very beneficial for our spiritual progress satang prashangan mama virja sambhida in the association of exalted devotees we get to hear the very powerful activities of krishna the very powerfully enlivening uh, activities of the supreme personality of god which actually enlivens our hearts and and enlighten our ears and all the senses bhavanti vitkarna rashayana katha and as a result of that tajjoshana dashu apobarga bhartmani as a result of that very quickly 
Ashu, very quickly we become free from the influence of the material nature that eventually leads to death. Materialistic existence, no matter how glorious it is, ultimately it just ends into death. And it is a life of distress. Materialistic existence is a very, very distressful existence leading to the ultimate distress of death. But by hearing Krishna Katha from exalted devotees, enlightened souls, self-realized devotees, we become free from material bondage. And not only we become free from material bondage, we develop our attachment to Krishna. We develop, first we develop Shraddha, we develop faith in Krishna. Then Rati, we develop uh, attachment to Krishna. And we develop Bhakti or devotion to Krishna. And that is the ultimate goal of life. The ultimate goal of life, the ultimate goal of human form is to develop Krishna consciousness. Although there are 8 million, 8 million different species of life, out of them the human life, human form only gives us the opportunity to develop our consciousness. Others don't have that facility. Uh, they can't develop their consciousness. They're stuck in their either in a covered consciousness state or in a shrunken consciousness state. But when one gets a human form of life, he gets the opportunity to expand his consciousness. Just as a uh, just as a <coughs> bud has the ability to bloom into a flower. Although bud is a small little thing, uh, but eventually it has the ability to bloom into flower. Similarly, human consciousness has the ability to bloom into flower, bloom into full consciousness, fully developed consciousness. But the criteria for the development, just as a bud, especially a lotus bud, needs two factors to bloom. One is the light of the sun, rays of the sun, and the shelter of the water. If the sun is not there, the lotus won't bloom. And if the lotus is not in the shelter of water, the same sun will dry the lotus out, lotus bud. Therefore, these two factors are essential for a lotus bud to bloom. And similarly, the human consciousness in a budding state needs these two factors. One is exposure to Krishna, who has been compared to the sun, and the shelter of a bona fide spiritual master, who has been compared to the, the water. So these two factors are essential. And when one gets these, gets uh, these two supports or two uh, advantages, exposure to Krishna in the with the shelter of a bona fide spiritual master, then his consciousness begins to bloom. Otherwise, there is no difference between a human being and an animal. Animal is in a shrunken state of consciousness and the human consciousness also is in a shrunken state. A bird is in a shrunken state. And therefore it is said that human beings, unless they come to the platform of Krishna Consciousness, they are in a sort of animal platform. Now they do what the animals also do. They may do it in a rather sophisticated way, little more sophisticated way, but the propensities are the same. Ahara, Nidra, Bhaya, Maithunancha. Uh, eating, sleeping, mating, defending. And although the human beings may do it in a sophisticated way, 
but the animals can do it better. Uh, sleeping. <laughs> Human beings have problems sleeping nowadays. Therefore, they have to take medicines, they have to take drugs, uh, they have to take intoxicants. But a bear continuously sleeps for six months. Uh, no problem. <laughs> so, <clears throat> we have to understand that the purpose of human life is higher than these animal propensities. Rather, the objective of human life is to uh, overcome these animal propensities. Uh, they're there, this eating, sleeping, mating, defending has its objective, has its purpose, but they should be properly utilized. Uh, yes, body needs uh, food to eat. Eat Krishna Prashad. Sleep, yes. Sleep. Uh, sleep to rejuvenate your body so that uh, you can enge become engaged in Krishna's service. <coughs> mating. The purpose of mating is procreation. That is the divine arrangement. The need for a man and woman to get together is simply for the sake of procreation. And yes, we have to defend ourselves from different material calamities, natural calamities and other kinds of danger. And the best way to do that is by taking shelter of Krishna's lotus feet. Eating, the purpose of eating is to have Krishna Prashad, uh, sleeping is to dream about Krishna. Uh, <laughs> mating for the sake of pro producing Krishna conscious children. Uh, and defending, take shelter of Krishna's lotus feet as the most wonderful shelter. And in the association of devotees, we become aware of these objectives and develop our Krishna Consciousness, Krishna Prem, love for the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So, <clears throat> for our Bhagavatam class, we decided to have, uh, to discuss about prayers of Queen Kunti. Uh, these prayers in Srimad Bhagavatam are very important because these prayers are offered to the Lord by the self-realized souls, by the pure devotees of the Lord. Those who know the Supreme Personality of Godhead and these prayers are actually their expressions of their understanding of the Lord's identity and uh, the reaction as a result of that. Uh, prayers of Queen Kunti is so important that Prabhupada himself sung those prayers uh, in, in, a, and, in and it was recorded. Uh, Prabhupada is offering the prayers of Queen Kunti. And these prayers are so beautiful. And Prabhupada uh, gave a class on these prayers of Queen Kunti in uh, 19... 73 in Los Angeles and although these prayers are from the uh, Srimad Bhagavatam these prayers are 26 verses from the first canto 8th chapter of Srimad Bhagavatam and uh, Queen Kunda Krishna is about to leave Bhagavatam is describing the battle of Kurukshetra is over. Yudhishthir Maharaj has been reinstated on the throne of this planet. He is ruling the whole earth, entire earth planet. And then he is now ruling over the earth planet, being supported by his illustrious brothers, and now Krishna felt that now mission has been accomplished. Now, let me go back. I have been away from 
Dwarka for a long time. So Krishna is about to leave. When Krishna is about to leave, Queen Kunti is offering, uh, requesting Krishna uh, to stay a little longer. Uh, and and this, this is the uh, prayer of Queen Kunti. And here we also must remember that Krishna is actually Queen Kunti's nephew. Krishna's father is Queen Kunti's elder brother. Vasudev and Devaki, I'm sorry, Vasudev and Kunti are the son and daughter of King Surasena. Surasena had a cousin and a very, very intimate friend called King Kunti Bhoj. So Kunti Bhoj didn't have any children. So Vasudev told him that okay, next time I get a child get a child, I'll offer the child to you. Vasudev was already born, Surasen uh, told Vasudev is born, Surasen told Kunti Bhoj, then my next child I'll offer to you. And so next child was Kunti. So he offered her to and Kunti Bhoj brought her up with uh, wonderful arrangement and affection and because she was brought up or adapted by King Kunti Bhoj she got the name Kunti her original name actually was Pritha Therefore, Arjun is called Partha, uh, Prithaputra, the son of Pritha is Partha. So Kunti uh, was assigned to the responsibility when she was a little girl, she was assigned to the responsibility to take care of the guests in the palace. And sometimes the king would offer, engage her children in that way to take care of the guests. And so Kunti Bhoj assigned Kunti this responsibility. And she was so good at it that everybody was extremely pleased with her, including even Durvasha. Uh, Durvasha is a very, very angry sage. I mean, this little mistake, he would curse. Like he was known for his cursing propensity. Any mistake, and even if he didn't find any mistake, he would curse. So everyone used to be very, very afraid of him. But Kunti took care of Durvasha so nicely that while leaving, Durvasha gave her a boon, gave her a blessing, benediction. That although he is expert in cursing, but he also sometimes gave benediction. Abhishap and Bada. Barang Deva Mokshan Namoksha Vadhimba. My Lord, you are very expert in giving boons, barang, all the way up to liberation. In Dhamadarashtakam, we sing that. Krishna can give benedictions like that. So, similarly, exalted personalities can give boons, exceptional boons. And actually, these personalities, no matter how they apparently appear to be, like angry or uh, giving curse and so forth, but these are actually their uh, role that they are playing in uh, 
the affairs of the material nature. Actually, these personalities could see what would happen in future. And these boons or blessing, curses are something like a prediction of what would happen. Uh, and giving them some sort of uh, support to properly execute that situation, properly deal with that situation. So, Durvash actually knew what would happen to Kunti. Uh, because these personalities are Trikalagya, Trikaladarshi. They can see time in its three aspects. They can see the past, they can see the present, they can see the future. So Durvasha could see what would happen to Kunti. That Pandu, her husband, would be cursed and she would not have any child from him, her husband. Therefore, there was a need to have some child, children, uh, in some way. Therefore, Durvasha gave him the boon. You can have a child uh, through a demigod. Whoever you want, you can call. So, little girl couldn't probably understand the purport or the, de- or the, uh, the uh, purpose of this or the effect of this boon. So she playfully, while looking out of the window, palace window, seeing the sun, she thought, let me try it out, (laughs) Uh, whether it works. Uh, Out of childish curiosity, she invited sun god to come after chanting the mantra. And Surjadev came, sun god came. Sun planet is not empty. Sun planet is a very sun planet is inhabited by very very exalted personalities, and the head of those personalities is sun god, the ruler of the sun planet. And in this Manvantar, who is the ruler of the sun planet, Vivashwan. So he came and. So he uh, told her the purpose of his coming. She became very worried that if I get a child, I am unmarried. And if I get a child, that will be such a disgrace. So Sun God said, okay, since I came, my purpose of my coming is not going to go in vain. It is bound to happen. The result is bound to happen. You'll get a child, but your virginity will not be affected by that. The child will become, will be born through your ears, through your ear. And a child was born. Because he came through her ears, therefore, his name was Karna. And in due course of time, Kunti was married to Kunti was married to King Pandu, another illustrious personality. He's actually the son of Vasudev. Also, his birth also was quite, uh, quite uh, unusual. Anyway, I don't want to get into too much into Mahabharata. <laughs> but uh, this wonderful uh, personality was married to Kunti but unfortunately uh, he was cursed Uh, he while hunting in the forest he shot a shoot at a deer shoot his arrow at a deer but this deer was actually a sage he was uniting with his wife in the form of a deer these personalities could change their form. So a human being, a very exalted sage with uh, inconceivable mystic power, uh, but unfortunately he was killed by King Pandu while he was uniting with his wife. 
and he cursed him that when you unite with any woman you will die and as a result of that Pandu left his kingdom because it's very difficult to maintain uh, 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 rather to remain uh, a celibate in a royal palace because there are so many allurements and temptations the whole environment is so provocating so in order to remain fixed up and not have anything to do uh, not to have uh, any relationship with a woman along with his wife he went to the forest the Himalayas with his two wives Kunti and Madri and so they were living in the forest so uh, not forest actually in the up in the Himalayan mountains near Badri Kashram generally saintly people used to stay away from crowded places so they used to lead, lead their saintly life cultivating their spiritual propensities in the solitude of the mountain or forest not just forest in the forest they create a very beautiful garden on the bank of a river therefore they are called topoban the garden for performing austerities so anyway Pandu was there and one day Pandu suggested to Kunti that she begets some children begets a child through one of the sages exalted brahmanas there Kunti didn't like the idea at all and then finally she actually told Pandu about the boon she had from Durvasha and then Pandu, Pandu suggested <coughs> that she invites some of the demigods one of the demigods to come and give her a child so she considered rather they together considered Dharmaraj, Jamraj Jamraj is the one who upholds Dharma the path of righteousness now the consideration was the first child will be a king and the king has to be very fair and just and situated on the path of Dharma so as a result of that Yudhishthir Maharaj was born then Pandu asked Kunti to have another son because the king needs to be protected by a powerful general so who is the most powerful of the demigods? Pavandev and as a result of that Bhima was born they wanted to have another Pandu wanted to have another child and as a result of that Arjun was born through the influence of King Indra then Pandu wanted to have some more children Kunti said enough <laughs> I have three I have enough but then they considered let Madri also have the benefit of having children and uh, as a result of that Madri but Kunti told that okay I'll allow her to use a mantra but once only once so Madri thought that I'll have the facility to use the mantra only once but it is preferable to have more than one children <laughs> so she invited the twin demigods uh, Ashwini Kumar and as a result of that Nakul and Sahadev were born so these are the five children of Pandu known as Pandavas Pandu's sons 
Therefore, Pandavas, Pancha, Pancha means five, five sons of Pandu. Then unfortunately, during one springtime, Pandu got afflicted with the influence of Cupid and he became attracted to Madri. Madri tried to stop him, knowing well about the curse, but Pandu completely forgot him. And as a result of that, Pandu died. So the Pandavas were brought to Hastinapur and they grew up, but they grew up in a very, very uh, adverse situation. Dhritarashtra, the elder, son, elder brother, the eldest son, generally in the Vedic culture, the eldest son inherits the father's property. Generally they are not divided as it is being done nowadays. Five sons, father's property is divided into five and we can see that and this way the property begins to uh, begins to diminish. Uh, one property, one house with five rooms <coughs> then five sons, okay uh, five sons get five rooms but then when they get 25 sons then uh, it's impractical. So in the Vedic culture the thing is the, in, the eldest brother inherits the father's uh, property, father's legacy and the other brothers live together with him, giving him the support. So, <clears throat> Dhritarashtra was meant to become the king. But because he was blind, he could not become a king. And he had a hope that, well, he couldn't become the king, but maybe his son would be able to become a king. But unfortunately, before uh, Dhritarashtra's children was born, were born, uh, the news came that Kunti gave birth to a son. So therefore, Yudhishthir became now the successor to the throne because he was elder in the family. Gandhari became so upset with the news, she was actually, she was pregnant. But the pregnancy was not maturing. The child was not being born. So for a long time, actually, long time went by, but the child didn't come out. And <clears throat> when she got the news, she hit her abdomen so hard that she had a miscarriage. And what came out is a lump of flesh, hard, solid as iron. It was about to be thrown away, but then Vasudev came and he suggested that this is put into pieces, 101 pieces, and he kept it in a pot in water. And as a result of that, in course of time, 101 children were born, 100 sons and one daughter. And the eldest one was Durjodhan. Anyway, here <coughs> Dhritarashtra's desire to have his son become the king also failed. And then when the Pandavas came, there was a direct conflict, sort of. Durjadhan saw them as his arch enemy, that because of them he couldn't become the king. Even as a, as a child, uh, he had such a uh, vicious uh, mentality. And Bhima was extremely powerful. Uh, Bhima was extremely powerful. And while playing, uh, the more powerful one often becomes a bully. And Bhima was a bully. Uh, like when they would go swimming, he would just pull them under water or push them under water, they would have a tough time dealing with him. Sometimes they would climb up a tree and Bhima would shake the tree <laughs> and they would fall from the tree. 
And so Duryodhana decided to get rid of Bhima. Even as a child, we can see uh, how crooked he was, how envious and how vindictive he was. So uh, he arranged for a picnic on the bank of the Ganges, bank of Jamuna. And there they, while they were there playing, Durjodhan got Bhima, allured Bhima to a solitary place and told him that Bhima, I got some delicious prasadam for you, delicious, delicious sweets for you. And Bhima was fond of eating, very fond of eating. So, and this poison was actually mixed, this, uh, this sweets were actually mixed with the most deadly poison, the poison of King Cobra. And <clears throat> so, Bhima just ate a lot of these sweets. After all, they were all the poisonous, but they were tasting very nice. So he ate them and he uh, became unconscious. So when he became unconscious, they tied him by hands and feet and threw him in the river. Now, there is a saying that when Krishna protects, who can kill? And when Krishna kill, wants to kill, who can protect? So Bhima, then he drowned in Jamuna. But he went to the lower region of Nagaloka, where the serpents reside. And he fell on a group of serpents, snakes while they were playing. They didn't like something falling on them, so they started to bite him. Now see, he was poisoned with Kalkut, which is the poison of King Cobra. And now he has been bitten by the snakes. So what happened? It acted as an antidote. So he came to his senses. So he didn't like that the snakes were biting him. So he snapped his hands and feet open and started to kill all the snakes. <laughs> the news reached the king of the snakes, Nagraj Vasuki. And Vasuki came and he recognized Bhima as his distant grandchild. There is some relationship between Kunti and or rather Surasen and this family. So, so he took Bhima to the palace and he gave him the nectar to drink. And Bhima drank seven pots of nectar. Tasted, naturally tasted very good. So he drank these seven pots of nectar and he slept for seven days after that. Now these seven pots of nectar gave him the strength of 10,000 elephants. Even as a child, Bhima had the strength of 10,000. As it is, he was strong and now he has become even stronger. Duryodhan wanted to get rid of him, but now uh, he is coming back, uh, becoming much stronger than before. So this is how <clears throat> we saw how Krishna time and time again protected you know, the Pandavas, his illustrious devotees. So Queen Kunti, although Krishna is her nephew, but Queen Kunti is offering obeisances to him. It's unusual in Vedic culture. In Vedic culture, the juniors offer obeisances to senior. The seniors never, it's not, it's not, befitting for a senior to offer respect to a junior, especially obeisance. But here we are seeing that Queen Kunti is offering obeisances to Krishna. 
Why? Because she is not seeing Krishna as her nephew. Although that relationship is there, but she is seeing Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So this is how the prayer actually is beginning. <coughs> is the 18th verse of the 8th chapter of the first canto. Kunti Uvacha Namashe Purushan Tvaddam Ishwaram Prakrite Param Alaksham Sarvabhutanam Antar Bahir Avastitam What a beautiful prayer. Namashe Namashe means I offer my obeisances. Who unto whom Purusham? The Purusham to Adhyam. Adhyam means original or the supreme. Supreme Purusha, not just an ordinary Purusha, ordinary individual. I offer my obeisances to the original supreme personality of Godhead and <coughs> who is Ishwaram Param uh, he is the uh, supreme controller Ishwaram Prakriti Param and he is beyond this material nature Alaksham Sarvabhutanam uh, although he is unseen, he is, he is not uh, seen by anyone. Sarvabhutana. He is unseen, invisible to all living entities. But Antar Bahir Avastita. He is situated both in, inside and outside. Inside of every living entity and outside of every living entity. Srimati Kunti said, O Krishna, I offer my obeisances unto you because you are the original personality and are unaffected by the qualities of the material world. You are existing both within and without everything, yet you are invisible to all. So this is how the prayers are beginning. The first six verses are actually establishing Krishna's I, Krishna's. It's just prayers, uh, glorifying Krishna, establishing his identity as the supreme personality of God. Then the seventh and eighth verse is actually describing how Krishna always protected them through all kinds of calamities. It is uh, one into note that the life of a devotee often uh, apparently appears to be full of calamities and difficulties and distresses. Therefore sometimes people develop a misconception that if you become a devotee then there will be difficulties in your life. <laughs> but we have to understand that these apparent difficulties are there in order for Krishna to protect his devotee. If the, if the danger is not there, then where is the question of protection? If the life is happy and honky-dory, uh, then what's the point in... Uh, where is the question of uh, protection? Uh, only when we are in danger, then there is a question of protection. Now Krishna wants to show the world how he protects his devotees. Therefore, the devotees are often put into difficulties and danger so that the world can see how Krishna protects his devotees. Now, when one is faced with that situation, it's extremely dangerous. It's extremely frightening. But that's another quality of a devotee. He simply depends upon Krishna. He doesn't try to defend himself or try to 
rectify the situation himself. He just submits himself. That is a sign of a pure devotee. And there are so many such examples. The one that comes to my mind is Jarabharat. Just consider Jarabharat has been taken by the Dakwites. They caught him and now they want to slaughter him. Now they want to kill him as an offering to Kali. Can you imagine the situation? Just imagine yourself. You have been caught by a bunch of, bunch of terrorists. And now they want to kill you. And, but is Jarabharat pleading to them not to kill him? Is Jarabharat trying to defend himself or trying to escape? No. Ah, he is just completely surrendered. Whatever marobi rakhubi jaitchatohara. They put him into the <coughs> jupakashta ah, for you know, it's a U-shaped wooden frame which can be locked up with another piece of wood. Uh, they secure the neck in that and then lock it up uh, through another piece of wood running through the holes so that the neck doesn't move at the time of uh, killing. So they put him into that situation. They're about to uh, chop his head off. Jarabharat was totally unperturbed. But Kali could not tolerate that. She appeared from her murti. She picked up the chopper from that guy's hand and she started to kill all those dacoids. <laughs> so this is how Krishna and Krishna's devotees protect. So <clears throat> Uh, devotees are put into difficulties by the arrangement of Yogamaya and eventually that becomes an opportunity for Krishna to save him. So Pandavas went through so many difficulties but time and time again Krishna saved them. And through that we actually learn the benefit of being surrendered to Krishna. Then we become, we become confident. We become confident that Krishna will positively help me, positively save me. Rakshive Krishna. Krishna will positively save me. Now my, on my part, let me become a devotee. And if Krishna doesn't save me, that's my bad luck. I could become a devotee. <laughs> so that is how uh, a devotee looks at it. Another thing is that what Krishna will actually save? Will Krishna save our body or Krishna will save our soul? What's the point in saving the body but losing the soul? On the other hand, was the loss in losing the body but gaining the soul. In that respect we can consider just like a doctor. The doctor while treating a patient does he save his shirts and coat? And does he save his dress? Or he saves his body? Saving the dress is the business of a tailor. If we want the our dress to be saved or uh, cured then we go to a tailor but when we go to, want to cure the body we go to a doctor uh, similarly when we want to save our soul we go to Krishna now sometimes the doctor in order to operate quickly he may tear open the body, the shirt right to act, to reach to the so similarly in order to reach to our soul sometimes Krishna may tear our body to reach to the soul. It may happen. But our business is to simply depend upon Krishna that he will protect. And through these prayers of Queen Kunti, that becomes so wonderfully demonstrated. Thank you all very much. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Does anybody have any question or comment?
Yes. Yeah, well, uh, the last part I couldn't hear. No. Kunti. Kunti got the blessing from the worship for herself to use the mantra and invoke. Yeah, she could also give it to others. Okay. Yeah, that's what the Madhuri, that's how she gave it to Madhuri. The mantra was there. Uh, once you get the mantra, you can give it to another qualified person. Uh, like as a disciple, you get the mantra from your guru. Then you becoming a guru, you have to give the mantra to your disciples. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Any other question? Yes. Ankit. Prumaraj, uh, you mentioned about saving the soul, but soul is indestructible. So, like, is that act of saving the relationship between Krishna and ourselves? Yeah. Saving the soul means. Curing it from its material conditioning. The soul is there, but now the soul has lost its spiritual identity. Right? And we are identifying ourselves with this material nature. Forgetting the soul, we are identifying our body to be the self. And what Krishna does is Krishna revives our spiritual, revives us in our spiritual identity. So that is the meaning of saving the soul. Soul is already lost. <laughs> it's in a lost condition. Huh? Krishna saves the soul by uh, reinstating us in our spiritual identity. Yes. Take the, uh, so that everybody can hear. Uh, very good. You see, in general, the relationship between the devotee and the Lord is based on awe and reverence. Only in Vrindavan there is some, uh, some anomaly, <laughs> right? But in Vaikuntha or in other region, the understanding is there that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead and the approach and to him is full of awe and reverence. Now here, although Kunti has a relationship with Krishna, like for example, Devaki and Vasudev, father and mother, but in Dwarka they can't deal with Krishna as father and mother because that awareness is there that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of God. Kunti's relationship with Krishna is little more, what should I say, little more informal. But still, as we are seeing through the prayers, that it's there. That awe and reverence is there. Yeah. Akinchana Gochara, yeah. The thing is, as long as we are affected by a false ego, we won't be able to approach Krishna. But when we become completely exhausted, our possession, and become completely devoid of our false ego, then only we'll be able to see Krishna. Okay, thank you all very much. Hare Krishna. At so 11 o'clock, Ravindu Saru Prabhu will give the class, the seminar on Prabhupada, Prabhupada as the founder of Acharya. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, 10.30, 10.30.